Hey, kids. How are ya? It's uh, showtime. You betcha it is. My name's Jason. Welcome to Electric Leftovers. Uh, this is for uh, August 17th. That's our show. Yeah, that's our show. August 17th. That's the one. I got it now. Don't worry. We're cool. I know what's going on. How you doing? Hope you had a good week. Hope hope things have been delightful for you. Have things been delightful? I hope they've been delightful. Uh, what do we got going on new at the website? Well, I'm going to be honest with you, not a lot. Because I've uh, been a little busy. Started a new job and all. Um, so since the last time... Let's see. We have got some Doom 2 from Scarlet. That's really it. I've got some more stuff I need to get added. I just haven't done it yet. So you can expect some Dragon Quest 6 and some Super C uh, relatively quick. Um, also got back into streaming some Final Fantasy 2. That last stream was a disaster. Um, so yeah, we'll, uh, we'll just kind of continue on. Uh, over in the forums, we've got new Mystery Science Theater being Daddy-O. Gotta hike up them pants, ladies and gentlemen. And sing whenever you sing whenever you sing. Also, I think that was that Daddy-O, right? No, not sing whenever you sing whenever you sing. That was something else. Uh, that was hike up your pants. Uh, Daddy-O was, um... I shot that fat barkeep! I think that was Daddy-O. Uh, and Castlevania 2, Belmont's Revenge, uh, is our soundtrack for the, uh, moment. Um, we're gonna have, uh, roll film this week. Sorry about not having it last week, Randy was not feeling well, and I know what it's like. You know, feel well, you don't do nothing, so we didn't do nothing. Um, uh, that said, let's get on with the show. We got games to talk about, etc., 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 Gunmetal Arcadia and Gunmetal Arcadia Zero are a pair of video games made by one guy. 
ex-Borderlands 2 developer J. Kyle Pittman. Their visuals and core gameplay mechanics are informed by classic action-adventure platformers like Zelda 2 The Adventure of Link, The Battle of Olympus, Faxanadu, and Castlevania. Might be time to look at re, uh, redoing that little thing. There wasn't a lot of information when this game came out. This is a fairly new game they were talking about it from the archives. Um, I grabbed this. It was part of the Humble Original from 2016, and uh, I really liked it. So I tried it, and it's a lot of fun. Very retro-looking, very good game. Um, never played any Borderlands myself, but if anything spirit-wise... Uh, of this game exists in Borderlands. I might have to try it. Well, review time. Um, there's more here than I thought there was going to be, and they're way better than I thought they were going to be. Uh, the lowest rating this game has got is three and a half, and there's two of those. Um, we'll do that one. that one. How short are these? These should be fairly short. There's not much to it. Yeah. Maybe we'll do a third one. I've got a third one. Just in case. 
Let's see what we got. A western shoot 'em up with ninjas and a guy named Fat Man Joe. A Gunsmoke review by Evil Nightmare. Gameplay 9. Gunsmoke is a western shoot 'em up made by Capcom. It is like a standard shoot 'em up, being that you die in one hit. It is played in the overhead perspective. The B button shoots your gun to the diagonal left, the A button shoots your gun to the diagonal right. Pressing B and A shoots your gun in the middle. The game is very simplistic, but executes the simplicity well. During the game, you can purchase different guns, the shotgun, which fires a spread of bullets, the machine gun, which fires a regular shot in rapid succession, the magnum, which fires powerful shots, which pierce and go all the way across the screen, and the smart bomb, which is the same as your regular shot, but when you get hit, instead of dying, it kills all the enemies on the screen. All guns have limited amount of ammo, which can be acquired by killing enemies. However, the real strategy with guns comes from the unique concept that if you die while using a certain gun, you use you lose that gun but keep all that were unequipped. Horses can also be found which allow better maneuverability and absorb a couple of shots before it dies. The game consists of only six stages which can be rather short. To complete a stage you must obtain the wanted poster which can be found during the stage or brought, bought excuse me, for a large amount of money. At the end of each stage you will face a boss and get a reward for defeating the boss. Bosses range from Cutter, who throws boomerangs, to Devil Hawk, an Indian who spews fireballs, to a ninja named Ninja, to a man named Fat Man Joe who fires bombs. Konami, I think. This is this is me talking. Konami, I think, stole Fat Man and Bombs for Metal Gear Solid 2. Just saying. Sound 5. The sound is average, which is why it receives a 5. Nothing spectacular or outstanding. It gets the point across as it fits the theme of the game. One gripe I have about the game is that whenever you open up the menu to select a different gun, the music starts at the beginning every time. The sound effects are okay as well. Graphics 8. The graphics are pretty decent. The game does a good job of differentiating between things and the environment to prevent confusion. The wanted posters were well detailed as well. Replay 10. A very bold 10. The joy of this game comes from replay value. Being a short shoot 'em up, the game thrives on multiple plays through. Multiple plays through, I said. This is one of those games that after you finish it, you want to play it again. It is good to play any time to fill a short time period. So the shortness of the game adds benefit to this category. Overall, nine. Gunsmoke is a great game. I suggest this to anyone who enjoys NES shoot 'em ups and Capcom. So, go out and buy a copy of this underrated NES classic. Reviewers rating, four and a half. Moving on, we are on your side. A Gunsmoke review by Mushroom Fantasy. It's all part of my Mushroom Fantasy. In this addictive side-scrolling, button-mashing, people-shooting, western-styled action game for the NES, you're bound to get some help along the way. Mainly from random people who stand in the crossfire of battles seeing, selling you items and saying, We are on your side. Is this game truly a classic, or is it another poorly designed action drone? We'll find out. Story, 6 out of 10. One day in 1849, a gang of outlaws called the Wingates, almost as bad a name as House of Ruth in Eight Eyes XD, I think that's supposed to be a face, came into town, killed the sheriff, oh noes, and took over the town. The town goes by the name of Hicksville. It's time for a hillbilly moment. Shot your bandit bill rifle, and it's up to you to save the poker town. 
There's a lot in here that I don't understand. Gameplay, 9 out of 10. The gameplay of this game is simple yet fun. You control Bill through the town, shooting the members of the Wingates while traveling north in a side-scrolling manner. It's a vertical scrolling manner, sir. Several of the Wingates' lines of offense are snipers who attack from various buildings along the side, troopers who run up close and fire, people who walk up and plant dynamite, which goes explode after a few seconds, and cowboys who leap across the road. The trooper-like people enjoy ganging up on you, and some of them jump off the buildings. Your main gun has infinite ammo, but you can find several other guns either by buying them or finding them from downed enemies or barrels. Several enemies drop money and ammo. Pick them up. Instead of purchasing guns and ammo from the civilians who sell you guns in the middle of the road, you can find most of these items in barrels by shooting them and from enemies. The various guns range from multi-bullet shotguns, fast-shooting machine guns, and exploding smart bombs. The game is a tad on the button-mashing side, but it's still fun to play. Sound and music, 7 out of 10. The music and sound effects are decent. I like the western style of music as the background. The sound of the bullets firing does get a tad annoying after a while, though. Graphics, 6 out of 10. Gunsmoke's graphics are so-so. The backgrounds are somewhat detailed, and you can tell what stuff is. The bullet sprites could have been better than a stupid round pellet, though. Replay value, 9 out of 10. The game is addicting and it's fun to play, not to mention different combinations of guns and weapons to use, learning when to use power-ups, such as the horse and boots, and moving on different sides of the street. Summary, 8 out of 10. Gunsmoke is a fun and interesting action game to help pass the time. It can be a tad frustrating at times, but it's easy enough for anybody to learn and master. Just remember that we are on your side. Reviewers rating, 4. Posted, 4, 4 of 4. I mention it because it's four. Um, eh. We're going to do the last one. See what we get. Because, I mean... I, I had no idea going into this what it was going to be like. And this is not what I expected. Better than the Wild Wild West movie. But hey, what isn't? Gunsmoke is a flat-out cool action game for the NES. Oh, this is by uh, Splice. Sorry. You play the sheriff of a crazy town out to clean things up with your dual pistols. Unfortunately, there's a veritable army of crazy gunslinging criminals in your way, and taking them out is shoot 'em up fun. Gameplay, 9 out of 10. Gameplay is very nice in this game. It's just like 1942 in those top-down shooter games. Except in this, you play the sheriff. You never stop moving, and the screen also moves on its own. You can shoot forward by holding down A and B, to the left with A, and to the right with B. You go around shooting as many criminals as possible in order to get their money. Once you have enough money, you seek out a townsperson. You pay them a certain amount, and they'll take you to the boss. You go through the level over again as many times as it takes for you to get enough money to get to the boss. Once you get to him and beat him, you move on to the next level and a new boss. My only problem with the gameplay is that it takes a two-button combination just to shoot forward. However, this isn't that big of a problem because most of your enemies will be coming from the sides. Um, I gotta... Time out. I gotta come in here and say, uh... You can find the wanted poster. Here's how the works. Game works. You start... Screen starts moving, you start moving. You have to go through the level. You have to find a hidden wanted poster in every level. That stops the screen, the stage, from continuously scrolling. Okay? Uh, once you've found the wanted poster, the screen gets to the end of its loop. You fight the boss. 
if you can't find the wanted poster, it loops forever. Or you buy the wanted poster. Apparently Splice here never found a wanted poster. I was just buying him the whole time. That is crazy expensive, man. This game is four times as long when Splice plays it. Story, seven out of 10. No real story, you're a gunslinging bounty hunter. I thought we were the sheriff. You hunt down gangs and criminals for money. At the beginning of every screen is a picture of the boss you're tracking down how much money you're gonna get for it. There's no revenge plot, no tale of the family killed by bandits, just straight out shoot em up action with no story to get in the way. No real problem. And besides, no game for Nintendo, except the RPGs and a few exceptions, has a really good story. It's just not important. Graphics and sound, 8 out of 10. Interesting western movie type music plays in the background. The gunshots sound crisp and realistic, and it even makes a thud noise when your enemy hits the ground. The graphics aren't perfect, but they get the job done. They did a very decent job of bringing a town in the wild, wild west to life. None of your opponents, except the bosses, seem to have faces, which is kind of odd, but no big deal. Everyone is dressed in what is clearly wild, wild west style attire. No blocky crayon type crap, just right. Every time he says Wild Wild West, he capitals all three like he's talking about the movie again. Replayability, 8 out of 10. There's a two-player mode, but it isn't two players at once, therefore it's kind of dull. But shooting down the bad guys back in the Wild Wild West, he did it again, is enough to bring any NES action enthusiast back to this game time and time again. It's got a good challenge and interesting, exciting gameplay, so it never really gets old. It's certainly not a game to add to your lousy game pyramid consisting of Deadly Towers, Where's Waldo, Baseball, and a couple of old other horrid games. I have Deadly Towers, and I think I have that same baseball. This is a must for any action gamer's library. Even if you see it for 10 bucks, I'd recommend getting it. Gunsmoke rocks. Reviewers rating 4. Well, I don't know what to say. I mean... The reviews weren't particularly well written, but they're not wrong, you know? It's weird. I don't know.
So, a month ago, a little longer, read the thing about the news maybe going away. Um, it's, it's changed. It's clearly, it's a WordPress site now. Um, it's kind of ugly. And there's comments. Um... Yeah. I mean, we'll keep reading it, but I, I don't know. And it's not that I'm opposed to change or anything. I voted for Obama twice. Um, yeah, it's just a little weird. Uh, our lead story, inexplicable. You ready? <clears throat> Get my, my game face on here. Odessa, Texas resident Ernesto Baeza Acosta, 34, has legally changed his name to Ernesto Trump and declared himself the son of President Trump. His Not Safe for Work Facebook page features photographs of Ernesto wearing a Trump-like wig and asks viewers to please share this so that my dad, your president, can see this and spend time with me. Ernesto is a fan of President Trump, but his immigrant mother is unamused about his name change. Bright Ideas at Alana Nicole Donahue, 27, of Springfield, Oregon, just wanted to entertain her children and nephew with a joy ride around the neighborhood. But on July 12th, as she pulled the kids, age 2, 4, and 8, behind her Ford Taurus in a plastic red wagon, she was arrested for reckless endangerment. Donahue told police she just was just, quote, showing the kids a good time. However, horrified witnesses saw the car going about 30 miles an hour as the wagon went up on two wheels, going around a busy traffic circle at rush hour. Funny story, I almost saw a dude, well, it's not funny for him, uh, dude almost got hit on a bike today. Uh, two people, both people kind of at fault. Um, he was riding his bike down the street, um, which depending on where you live, bikes either have to follow pedestrian laws or traffic laws. If he was following traffic laws, uh, he was correct, but he was riding in the crosswalk, which is not correct. Uh, and the person turning you know, person in front of you is making a left-hand turn where he was clearly not paying attention. So, anyway. Unclear on the concept, David Blackman identified himself as a drug dealer when he called the Okaloosa, Florida County Sheriff's Office on July 16th to report that $50 in cash and a quarter ounce of cocaine had been stolen from his car. When officers investigated, they found a baggie with suspected cocaine... That's different than normal cocaine. That's like caffeine-free. A crack pipe and a crack rock in the car. Blackman was charged with possession of cocaine and drug paraphernalia. You think? Compelling explanations, Everett Lee Compton Jr., 49, told Salome Springs, Arkansas police that marijuana makes him do sick things after they apprehended him for abusing female donkeys. The donkey's owner, Emmert and Joyce Whitaker, had set up a surveillance camera and recorded Compton on three occasions, 
putting a bag over the donkey's head and placing his pelvis against its rear. It just made me sick to my stomach, said Joyce Whitaker, to know that she couldn't tell nobody and she was having to go through this. Technology run amuck. A security robot named Steve suffered a soggy fatal error on July 17th when it tumbled down several steps and into a fountain in Washington, D.C. New to the job, the robot had been patrolling the Washington Harbor area of Georgetown, mapping out its features in an effort to prevent just such an accident. He looks so happy and healthy, an area mourner tweeted after the incident. Another observer was less sympathetic. Robots zero, humans one, he tweeted. The robot fell down the stairs. That tweet leads me to believe that maybe he was pushed. Mm. Our least competent criminals, the Pink Panther, he ain't. Police in Wayne County, North Carolina, are looking for a careless cat burglar who keeps waking people up as he robs them. At least one victim, awakened by the slender white man in early July, has seen him wearing a pink polka dot beach towel around his head. Police aren't sure if he's actually gotten away with any loot. He's just breaking into people's houses and waking them up and leaving. That's almost worse. Three heads are apparently not better than one, as three China Grove, North Carolina... Hey, China Grove. Whoa, whoa, China Grove. Uh, masterminds demonstrated on July 12th. Rex Allen Farmer, his son, Rex Carlo Farmer, and the younger man's girlfriend, Kayla Nicole Price, cooked up a scheme to rob the Mooresville gas station where the elder farmer worked. Surveillance video showed Carlo disguised in a woman's dress and wig, emptying the cash register as his father, the clerk on duty, stood by. Carlo then ran outside and removed the dress and wig, setting them on fire next to the building. However, the fire spread to a meter on the building and a privacy fence, thus summoning authorities. Police soon caught up to all three and arrested them. I have questions about that, but we're not going to get into them. The Animal Kingdom, an African gray parrot named Bud, may have been the key witness in convicting 49-year-old Glenna Durham of White Cloud, Michigan, and the shooting death of her husband, Martin Durham, 46. The investigation of the 2015 shooting dragged on for a year before Martin's first wife, who inherited the parrot, shared with a local TV station a videotape of Bud imitating two people having an argument, including the words, Don't expletive shoot! Three weeks later... Glenna Durham was arrested and charged with first-degree murder, and on July 19th, she was found guilty. Meanwhile, millions of miles away, fire department dispatchers in Branson, Missouri, must have thought they were being punked on July 22nd when they received a call to rescue a bird from a tree. But it was no joke. A ladder truck was dispatched to rescue a parrot that escaped and became tangled in at least 50 feet up the tree. Bonus, the firefighter who braved the 50-foot climb was Colt Boldman. That's a that's a melodrama name, Colt Boldman. Why yes, I am Colt Boldman. Anger management. Two AT&T utility workers apparently didn't work fast enough on lines outside the home of George Jove, 64, of Hylea, Florida, on July 19th. After confronting the workers, Jove went back to his house, came out carrying a gun, and began shooting at the AT&T trucks, deflating the tires. Jove reloaded twice and shot at the truck's engines before aiming at Gilberto Ramos, or Gilberto, a service worker who was up on a utility pole. 
Jove was charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. I saw a video of that. George. Oh, buddy. Government in action. Addy Atzel, 73, took it upon himself to solve a safety problem in Tom Riley Park in the... Oh, boy. Etobicoke era area, excuse me, of Toronto, Ontario. Accessing the park meant navigating a steep hill, and Atzel felt it was dangerous. The city balked at building a staircase, citing it cost between $65,000 and $150,000. So, Atzel, a retired mechanic, built it himself with the help of a homeless man for $550. Responding to the resulting media storm, the city now plans to build a regulation staircase costing $10,000. Bureaucrats, 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 Atzel concluded. Meanwhile, in British Columbia's New Westminster, the city has constructed, at a cost of $200,000, an unfinished stairway to nowhere. How would you know it's not finished, then? Uh, the structure was originally intended to replace a required fire escape on a building, but was left incomplete and unattached to the building when concerns of rows about wires overhead. I thought it was an artwork, but I don't think that it makes that much sense, said passerby Lawrence Kong. Oh, Larry Kong. And Colt Boldman. They're cops. The New World Order. Move over, mace. Women in China are buying anti-pervert flamethrowers. They can be carried discreetly in a handbag and launch a scorching rebuff of up to 50 centimeters, about 20 inches, when needed. Chinese police have warned that devices are illegal, but one vendor called them a legal, non-lethal tool. I have got to copy this. Excuse me. Uh... Twitter. Um, at Joel Hodgson. in a handbag question mark uh, if you don't know Joel Hodgson uh, creator of Mystery Science Theater uh, made one of those <laughs> like yeah, 25 years ago now also in China, the Global Harbor Mall in Shanghai has introduced husband storage facilities for bored men who have accompanied their wives shopping. The glass pods include a chair, monitor, computer, and gamepad where parked husbands can play vintage video games while their wives shop. Reaction from pod dwellers has been mixed, with one man saying the lack of ventilation left him, quote, drenched in sweat. Law and order. About a week after police in Minneapolis killed unarmed Justine Rizikzik, e, I don't remember how to pronounce her name. After she called to report an assault, orange signs began popping up on street side poles depicting a jumping police officer with a gun in each hand and the warning, 
quote, Twin City police officers easily startled. Minneapolis Police Department spokeswoman Sergeant Catherine Michael said on July 24th that public works employees were removing the signs, which were made of metal and resembled traffic signs. And finally, people different from us. Barbara Rogers, 42, of Coolbaugh Township, Pennsylvania, said she was just following directions when she shot her boyfriend, Steve Minio, 32, in the forehead on July 15th. Rogers said Minio asked her to kill him because he thought the cult they belonged to was led by a reptilian pretending to be human. Rogers called 911 to report the shooting, after which she was charged with criminal homicide. No, you gotta shoot me, cause cause the guy leading the cult's a reptile in disguise, and we can't just leave. That's bad taste. Bad form. Hey everybody, I wanted to take just a quick second to thank you all so much for listening to the show and to let you know how you can get in touch with the show. 
You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Electric Leftovers on both places. You can call into the show, leave a message, 1-800-871-9012, extension 700491, or you can email me, jason at lowbiasgaming.net. Thanks very much. Appreciate you listening. You could take one guy to an island with you and you knew you'd be safe because he was the best man. He was going to keep you happy. If it was between me and your father, who would you take? My daddy. I didn't think you were wrong about that. Hello, this is Lee. What happened to my brother? So that's Lee Lee Chandler. I don't understand. Which part are you having trouble with? Well, I can't be his guardian. Well, your brother provided for your nephew's upkeep. I think the idea was that you would relocate. Relocate to where? Well, if you yeah. look, it was my impression that you'd spent a lot of time here. I swear. I'm just a backup. Lee, nobody can appreciate what you've been through. And if you really feel you can't take this on, you know, that's your right. Where are we going, to the orphanage? Shut up. Get in the car. Can't obey your orders until you unlock the door. Whatever you decide, he can always stay with us if he wants to come up weekends. Do you want to be his guardian? Well, he doesn't we want to already, be my guardian. For Christ's sake, got a house. We're trying to lose some kids, kids at this point. Hello. Hello, Lee. I just want to call and say I'm sorry. How's Patrick doing? Well, he doesn't really open up with me. Do you actually have sex with these girls? Strictly basement business. What does that mean? It means I'm working on it. You don't want to be my guardian? That's fine with me. Not that. It's just the logistics. All my friends are here. I got two girlfriends, and I'm in a band. You're a janitor and Quincy. What the hell do you care where you live? I've said a lot of terrible things to you. My heart was broken, and I know yours is broken, too. No, you don't understand. There's nothing there. That's not true. something wrong with me. Do you want me to call your friends? What do you want me to do? I'm not gonna bother you. I'm gonna just sit here until you calm down. All right, I'm calming it. Would you please just go away? No. Everybody, remember us? We talk about movies. I wonder if anybody missed me when I was sick. Nobody misses me when I'm well, so probably. People like me more than they like you. That's true. We watched I'm a movie. We, no, we, didn't, watch movie. we didn't talk about it last week because Randy was pretending to be sick just so I'd have to think about this movie for another week. Yeah, I had the plague. Ugh. I know. I would have rather had the plague. Oh, well. 
I think you're disliking this movie just because you're angry that I disliked your last movie, so. That's not true. Mm-hmm. But tell us about your movie. Uh, it's a movie called Manchester by the Sea. So this movie uh, won a bunch of awards, but I don't really care about that. Although I do think, like, it deserves some of them. Um, but I mean, long story short, essentially a man uh, has to return home which is kind of a classic story. He has to return home because his brother dies of a heart attack. Um, and he finds out when he returns home that he has kind of inherited his 15-year-old nephew. I think he's 15. He seemed awfully mature to be 15, but... He was the I'm... most 15-year-old, 20-year-old that I've seen since the 50s. Yeah, I don't... It's hard for me to tell anymore. I'm like, am I just old and cranky? Or, like, are kids really that more mature than, than like, we were when we were that age? Maybe Casey the, Affleck is really small. Because the shit that came out of this kid's mouth, I was just like, what is even happening? So, um, he has basically inherited his 15-year-old nephew, and they kind of build you up to this point where you get you know you get the idea that something really terrible happened in Casey Affleck's life and that is why he's left Manchester by the sea and that's why he no longer lives there and he doesn't want to stay there any longer than humanly possible um, and they do some flashbacks he was married uh, to a woman named Randy uh, and they had some children and kind of through the course of the movie, as he's dealing with the aftermath of his brother dying and his nephew and kind of this desire to get the hell out of this town as soon as possible, uh, they kind of explore his relationship with his brother, his relationship with his brother's family, his own relationship with his wife. Um, and you kind of, it kind of builds to a point where you find out what this terrible thing is that has happened. And it's about the most horrific thing you can imagine. Like there's, there's very little that you could imagine that could possibly be worse than what has happened to this person. Um, and, and how he deals with it, or in his case, doesn't deal with it. And essentially, I mean, how much am I giving away? Do I just want to, like, blow my load and give everything away? This movie's been out for a year. Go for it. <laughs> so, he... I mean, they talk about him and his wife, and he's, like, a normal guy. Like, him and his brother, you know, have a really close relationship, but they're also kind of essentially, like, grown-up kids. Like, they're very... They're very silly and and they joke around a lot. And one night, him and his friends are at Casey Affleck's house in the basement playing pool or cards or something, and they're ping getting pong. loaded. Oh, ping pong! Yeah, they're getting loaded. They're drinking, and they don't show you that there's drug use, but he says it later. Um, but they're getting loaded, and Randy, the wife, comes downstairs and is like what the F are you doing? It's three o'clock in the morning. Get your friends out of my house. You're being loud. Got little kids upstairs. And he sends all of his kids home or all of his friends home. And, and then as he's recounting the story later to the police, 
he, I guess they'd been smoking pot and there had been a little bit of coke. And he's got three little kids. The youngest, I think, is a baby. And then there's like two toddlers. And he's still kind of spun up from the coke. So he starts a fire. And this is the, for me, and you can jump in. And this was the, to me, the most heartbreaking thing because he says, I went upstairs and it was really cold because it's winter. It's really cold. In Manchester. Yeah, I can't use the the central heat because it dries out Randy's sinuses and she gets really bad headaches. So I built a fire. And after I built the fire, I sat around and watched some TV, but I was still all spun up from the Coke. So I decided to walk to the store and get some beer. And so he's like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to drive because I was loaded. So I walked, it's a 20 minute walk there, 20 minute walk back. And about halfway there, I started to wonder if I had put the screen on the fireplace. And he's like, but I thought it would be fine. And it shows him going to the store and he not only buys beer, but like, if I remember correctly, he buys like milk and cereal and like diapers. Yeah, it was just like a normal grocery run. Yeah, it was like, it just so happened to be in the middle of the night and he's he's having like kind of a fun little jaunt to the store by himself, like, not a care in the world. He's just got some milk and cereal for his kids. He's gonna go home, have a beer, go to sleep, everything's cool. And as he's walking back through the trees, the house is on fire. And he's forgotten to put the screen in front of the fireplace and a log or a spark or something has flown out. And I mean, these are like old wooden shingled houses in Massachusetts, like, you know, not flame proof at all. And the, I guess the firefighters got his wife out because she slept in the basement, or their room was in the basement, but their furnace exploded and they couldn't go back in and get all of his kids and all of his kids died. Yep. And it's like how he's dealt with that, which is basically not dealing with it. I mean, not, but not in like a, oh my God, I'm so tortured, I'm not dealing with it way. And like a, I have completely shut down as a person I am just going through the motions of like living because I kind of feel like I have to torture myself for the rest of my life. And I'm not gonna like do anything or interact with anybody except just like every once in a while get wasted drunk in a bar and pick a fight with a stranger. Which I think is what people in New England do like naturally when it comes to mental health issues. Well, that's how you cope. You know, it's different yeah. for everybody. I mean, yeah. And in, in yeah. Los Angeles, you make movies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here, at, at my house, you, you have a quiet drunk. Mm, well, sometimes quiet. Sometimes quiet. The morning after is usually fairly violent. Um, knowing that I was going to have to think about this movie again, I poured myself a drink. Mm. So, um, there, so he's kind of just dealing with his nephew who is also kind of not processing his uh, his brother's, his dead brother's widow, or not widow, ex-wife, is a junkie. Uh, they show a couple flashbacks of her. And, but she has now found Jesus and Matthew Broderick, which was best, weird. I didn't know One of the best the parts of the movie, Matthew Broderick. I didn't know. 
I didn't know he was in the movie until he opened the door and I was like, holy God, is that Matthew Byron? And he still um, looks not much older than the teenager. He really has aged pretty well. <laughs> um, the nephew is screwing around with a bunch of different chicks, which is so, so kind of weird. Like, it's just, I don't know. I The kid was not my favorite part. Um... And Casey Affleck doesn't want to live in the city. He wants to move back to Boston. He's like, okay, like, at first he's like, well, you'll just come back with me to Boston. And we'll just get an apartment and blah, blah, blah. And this kid's like, hell no, I'm not going anywhere. I'm from here. I live here. I'll stay with somebody else. And Matthew Broderick, or uh, Casey Affleck's like, no, you can't stay here by yourself. And so that's like a main plot point is them kind of arguing back and forth. And Casey Affleck kind of helping his nephew grieve. And the reason that Casey Affleck has to stay so long is because it's the dead of winter. And they and this was weird, and I don't know, is this true? They couldn't bury his brother because the ground... I mean, I know the ground freezes, but can they really not bury people in the winter? Well, what they said is we can't just dig the hole for him because the ground's too hard. And so I think the kid says, um, well, we'll rent like a backhoe. And Casey Affleck's like, you can't put a backhoe in because this is like a national historic protected cemetery. Uh, Plus all the rich people don't want you doing that. Yeah. So they they had to wait till the ground was soft enough to just like hand dig the grave. Is that a regular thing though? I mean, if I died in January here, would they be like, well, we can't can't bury you until April. We're going to put you on ice. I mean, which do you want to be in like the the heathen cemetery or the nice Mormon here's your gateway to your planet cemetery thankfully there's no such thing as a Mormon cemetery so we're good see there you go you're fine well I mean it's I don't want to be buried anyway but very close to Scientology that you get a planet when you die thing yeah so um there's that I mean there's like a couple of scenes where <laughs> the nephew is like trying to get something frozen out of the the freezer for dinner and has this like breakdown about his dad being frozen. That was probably my favorite scene. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was definitely like it was one of those things where grief does weird things to people and you he, never kind of know when it's going to strike you. The, the teenage kid says a couple times it just creeps him out thinking that his dad's just in a freezer somewhere. Yeah, and then I think it hits him because he's, like, trying to get, like, frozen chicken out of the fridge and it just, like, freaks him out and he starts... Oh, he has a panic attack. Yeah. yeah. That that whole little... That exchange, the you know, the five minutes of that scene, probably my favorite scene in the movie. And prob... I mean, can you tell, folks, I didn't like this movie? Um, yeah. That was, I think, the most authentic part of the whole movie. And, uh... The so he oh so because you don't know at first if his wife is alive they kind of don't they kind of just don't tell you if his wife is alive and so they're at his brother's funeral who was played by the guy that you never remember his name that's Kyle Chandler Kyle Chandler yes who. Isn't there a joke from somewhere about how even Kyle Chandler's parents don't remember who he is? I, I think I've heard that before. Kyle Chandler, I, he was the best part of this movie for me. 
he no he's excellent he's just he's like a character actor like you always are like that guy he was yeah. in a show called friday night lights which i never watched but people rave about that was a good show and yeah i've heard it's really good and then he also was and there was a tv show way way long time ago called was it called yesterday's new no no we early edition about the guy yeah. who got the newspaper that like told the future yep and he had to go yeah that was actually a good show um yeah. he's a really good actor he really is yeah no i was happy to see him in this mm-hmm. um might remember him he was in the really horrible remake of the day the earth stood still well, I didn't know there was a remake of The Day There, so thankfully I didn't know that. Starring our good friend uh, Keanu Reeves. Oh, no, yeah, uh, I absolutely did not know that. With Kathy Bates and Jennifer oh. Connelly, so those two, that's okay. Jesus Christ. Um, he was in Argo. Look up uh, look up Kyle Chandler and you'll see him. You go, oh yeah, that guy. I actually have not seen Argo, and I want to. It's pretty good. Um. So... He runs into Randy, his ex-wife, at or no, she calls the house. Yeah, and she's she like, "We're house. gonna, we're gonna come to the funeral." And she shows up at the funeral with her new husband, and, a, and, and she's a baby. pregnant. Well, she's pregnant. Yep, pregnant. And at then the pregnant at the funeral, and then later, and this was actually I cried in the theater like a baby, and I'm gonna suggest like. All, like all of your listeners look this up on YouTube because it's actually on YouTube there's a scene that's like four minutes long because uh, Michelle Williams plays his wife and she's not in it very much she is hands down the best part of this movie hands down Like, and I love Casey Affleck even though I really shouldn't morally but Michelle Williams is incredible and they have this scene where they just run into each other on the street and she's got her, she's had her baby and she's with a friend, and the friend's like, oh, I'm gonna kinda leave you guys alone, I'll go pick up the car and come get you. And his wife is like, cause you don't know how things ended, like you don't know where things left off. And she's like, can we have lunch? And he's like, yeah, I don't think that's a good idea. And she's like, look. And she starts to like break down and she says something like, I said things to you that I should burn in hell for. Like, and they, without telling you what she said, like, you can assume that she said, you killed our kids and, you know, you, you're evil or whatever. And so she's like, I said these horrible things to you and I'm so sorry and I still love you. And he's like, no, I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk. And he's just like, you can tell he's just like desperate to get away from her. Like, you know how they say like wild animals will chew off their own legs to get out of a bear trap like yeah he was desperate to get away from her because he doesn't want to feel any of that and because it would be too much to bear like obviously like if you were even a small bit responsible for the death of your all of your children in a in a freak accident you you would the grief would be unbearable and she says something like, my heart was broken and it's, it will always be broken, but I never should have said those things to you. And I'm so sorry. And you can't just die. Like you can't just walk around and be dead inside. And he's like, nope, nope, not, don't want to talk and leaves. And um, it was, I thought it was just 
probably the highlight of the movie. That and there is a scene where he's going through what happened with the cops the morning after. And he's telling them, walking them through, like going to the grocery store and the whole bit. And at the end, they're like, okay, well, you know, you're free to go, but we'll call you if you have any other questions. He's like, what do you mean? I'm free to go. And they're like, look, you made a mistake, probably one lots of other people have made. Like, we're not going to crucify you for it. It's a horrible mistake. And if we have questions, we'll give you a call. And they get up and he walks out of the room and they're in a police station. And just all of a sudden there's a cop walking past and he grabs the gun and sticks it to his head and is going to blow his head off. And of course the gun has a safety on and doesn't have a round in the chamber. And so he has to cock it. There's like 50 cops on him. And he doesn't say anything except right at the end where they're taking him down to the ground, he says, please. And that to me also was just the performance from him I thought was fantastic as well. That, that, his performance was really good. This is the first Casey Affleck movie I've seen. And if I've learned anything from watching this movie, it's that the Afflecks looked really nice in suits. <laughs> I think they look really nice in anything, honestly. Well, I don't know if I'd go that far. Um, Except Bat- Batman outfits. That scene was the most movie scene of the whole movie. Oh, yeah, that was me. like the we're going to win an Oscar scene. Absolutely. Yeah. Hands and down. If it wasn't even like Oscar good. Oh, I thought it was. Mm, I, don't, I don't know. Well, you can disagree with me. I still think, I mean, no, I think you're I, wrong, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I, I think you're wrong, and I'm going to pick two movies now just because I had to do two weeks of this one. <laughs> that's fine. Um, you might not have liked it, but it wasn't a terrible movie. It wasn't a terrible movie. I would be hard-pressed to give this more than an average. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I think you're just I think you're just picking on me cuz I didn't no. like Wilson. No, and and mm-hmm. I didn't care about anybody in this movie except the brother and and Matthew Broderick just cuz I can't not like Matthew Broderick for some oh, reason. Oh, so let's let's talk just real quick, let's recap that too. Yeah. Okay. So the 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 the, the son. kid the kid's mom is what's her name? Uh mom. Uh Bridget, not is it Bridget Mrs. Milton? Chandler. No, she played. Um, oh God, what is her name? Well, it's then, a Gretchen Mall. Gretchen yeah. Mall. Um, she was a junkie, and they they illustrate that by doing a flashback where they all come home when the the son is young from like a day out fishing. And she's like passed out on the couch and they're trying to like make sure the kid doesn't see. And when Casey Affleck wants to take his nephew back to Boston with him, that's one thing that his nephew says is like, well, I'll just go live with my mom. And Casey Affleck's reaction is pretty violently, absolutely not like over my dead body. And so you don't really know and plus like Casey Affleck's like besides we don't even know where she is and then the kid's like well yeah I do I've been in contact with her and that's how you find out that the kid has like been I guess emailing her yeah 
And so they make plans to go to dinner at her house. And she's apparently gotten sober. She's found Jesus. Whole nine. So they go to this like house in the suburbs, Casey Affleck in, and the kid. In Connecticut. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Casey Affleck's like, you call me if something happens. Like, Casey Affleck clearly doesn't trust this woman. And, yeah. And so he's like, if anything happens, you call me and I'll just like drive around, whatever. And so he leaves him with Gretchen Mall and Matthew Broderick. And they have the world's weirdest and most awkward dinner. And it's like Stepford. The the dinner in Rocky Horror was less awkward. <laughs> yeah, so and they like, ate meatloaf. Yeah. Gretchen Mall is like trying to like be perfect. And Matthew Broderick is clearly pretty like controlling and they're really like Jesus-y. Mm-hmm. And then at one point, I don't even remember what happened, but at one point she gets up and goes into the kitchen and you can just hear things breaking. Like she's having like a, yeah, like a breakdown. And Matthew Broderick is like, excuse me, and gets up and like goes into her. And then it shows like the son and, and Casey Affleck going back to Manchester by the sea in the car and Casey Affleck's like well how was it and he's like it was fine and then Casey Affleck's like well maybe she's sober and maybe this is really good and and then the kid gets an email from Matthew Broderick and the email basically says like it's best if you need to talk to your mother that you go through me which was such a dick move and also so creepy yeah Matthew Broderick's like don't talk to your mom only talk to me and then I'll let her know if I think it's something she needs to know and so the kid's like heartbroken because his dad's dead and his mom is like a psycho. Unfortunately, Matthew Broderick is only in the movie about four minutes. Which was perfect. There was nothing else for him to do in that movie. There was nothing else for him to do. I don't even like, I, I, I can't think of a Matthew Broderick movie I enjoy. And I include Ferris Bueller in that. I hate that movie. Well, it's because you don't have very good taste. But, like, I like Matthew Broderick. I just don't like anything he's ever done. What was that one where he, like, prevented nuclear war? War Games. You didn't like that one? He started it because he's like, check me out. I'm super cool hacker, man. And then he's like, oh, crap, I have to play Missile Command in real life. No, I'm just dumb. And and the producers, his version was terrible. And Never I really wanted Inspector Gadget to be good, but I knew it wouldn't be. Of course it wouldn't be. He, uh... What's her name from Sex and the City? Uh, Sergeant Parker. Was, yeah, it's like they had a thing and that was good for them. So They had a thing because they're married and have been for, like, ever. Yep. <laughs> Well, I think it's the same thing. It's like, we really like you. We just don't like anything you've done. You two are perfect for each other. Oh, I like... Well, I actually... There's a couple things I like Sarah Jessica Parker that are not Sex in the City, but there's All a couple things. Madonna music videos? I didn't know she was in Madonna music videos. When Madonna was too busy. Oh. I guess I'm making that up. Yeah, you are. It's Madonna's birthday today. Also the anniversary of Elvis's death today. Ah. Uh, so I really also liked the guy that played the friends. Um, 
CJ Wilson is his name. Yeah. Yeah, the friend was good. At one point, Casey Affleck's like, uh, would you adopt him? And the guy's like, the guy, I mean, this is like Massachusetts, so lots of big Catholic families. And this guy has like 15 kids, and he's like, oh, well, at this point, we're really trying to get rid of kids. Like, so I just, I thought it was, I thought it was really good. I, I was, I was pleased. I mean, it wasn't like, it wasn't super visually interesting at all. I mean, it was fine. It wasn't shot terribly. It wasn't, but it wasn't like dazzling me with like cuts or angles or shots or anything. There were a couple of really bizarre edits that seemed like somebody sneezed when they were editing and didn't control Z it. Yeah. Here's a two second scene of a car going up a hill that is, has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. And now back to our story. (laughs) Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't, um, it wasn't like film with a capital F interesting for, for visuals. Definitely. Uh, actually, I know a couple of, of interesting visual things that, that yeah. I picked up on. Um, there's a scene where I think they're leaving the funeral home, mm-hmm. and the sign is backwards. Oh. Because they flipped, for whatever reason, the shot. They just mirrored it. Well, I mean, is that really interesting? Well, why would you need to, I guess? Oh, I don't know. Um, and there was one other one. Like, you could see it was shot from behind. Not totally behind. I don't remember who it was. But they would, like, say a word. They would say their line. But their mouth kept moving. Mm-hmm. So they didn't, like, they synced it up weird. The dubbing was bad. Yeah. But only in a couple of spots. So, I mean, that was visually interesting to me just because it's, like, Really, guys? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I uh, mean, it was a it was a huge, like it was a huge critical hit, um, and it, yeah, it won some some awards. Um, Casey Affleck won Best Actor. There is some controversy about that because he's probably like a rapist, but. Probably. Uh, can you probably be a rapist? Well, they're not a rapist technically. He was accused of sexual harassment. He made he did that stupid Joaquin Phoenix "I'm Not Here" mockumentary thing. Oh. And yeah. and so two of the women who produced that accused Casey Affleck of sexual harassing them, and he actually settled with them. So he's was, got a career in the NFL then. Yeah, it was just, it's one of those things where I'm like, damn it, I just, and I really love him. And I, if that is true, I cannot, I cannot watch his movies anymore. Um, so it was actually going to be uh, Matt Damon. No, thank God. So glad it wasn't. So, so glad. I am, uh, I am waiting awful. for the, the... Affleck, Damon, Romeo and Juliet-esque throwdown where Ben Affleck and Matt Damon like accidentally kill themselves because they think the other one's dead. 
And then, like, there's just going to be this whole, like, clan war between the, the Damon family and the Affleck family. And hopefully yeah. they, they wipe each other out completely. Oh. That would be a thing. It would be, it would, I mean, a, a day which would live in infamy, I think some would say. Yeah. Um, so, despite being featured on the poster, Michelle Williams is in the film for less than 12 minutes. I, yeah, the the trailer I saw of Matthew Broderick was in it like three times. I freaking love. Her. I just there are other movies of hers that are on my list. There's a movie called Blue Valentine that I actually have never seen, but the way it has been described to me by everybody, it's like I'll need a Xanax and like a blankie afterwards. So I have it. We haven't watched it yet, but um, let's see. Wow, they only shot it in a month, which is kind of impressive. Right. Something that like heavy, I would be surprised that you could do something in that in that in that amount of time. Well, they had to because the ground had to be frozen. Yeah, I guess I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's not that actually much trivia because it's basically just a movie about people being sad. It's it's <laughs> almost a documentary. It's so good. So I, I made my friend Whitney watch it. And when she watched, she actually watched, I recommended this and a movie called Moonlight to her over the course. And she watched them over the course of a weekend. And Moonlight's also a really sad movie. And she was like, what did you do to me? <laughs> so, I mean, as this was not as terrible a film as American Pastoral. Not even close. Not even close. It was not a bad film. It was, I mean, there there was nothing in this movie that hasn't been done before in another movie, and probably better, though. Well, that I don't agree with. I think that it's not a new story. I mean, it's certainly not, like, the most original thing ever, but I think that Casey Affleck and Michelle Williams and Kyle... Kyle Chandler. Why do I want... I keep wanting to say Kyle McLaughlin. That is wrong. Um, Might have been are, better. Are some of the finest actors, I think, that we have currently. And I, I think that their performances are what made this movie. There's a lot of criticism I could make about the plotline and the dialogue and everything, but I, I this, to me, was really an, like a, a performance movie more than anything else. Somewhere... And I, I can't find it. I went back and I listened to us talk about Wilson. Mm-hmm. Because you said something. Because you're at, salty. Because you said something at the end of Wilson. Like, I don't need to see another movie about a grown man who has relationship problems coming to terms with things. And then I, you picked this movie. Yeah. Which is a grown man with relationship problems coming to terms with things. What exactly what I said is another movie about a grown man having to mature and become an adult and by causing chaos and destruction to everybody around him in the process. Casey Affleck did not do that. The whole point of this movie is that he turns in on himself and completely shuts down except for his connection with his brother and in fact the last time you see Kyle Chandler on screen he goes I think it's when they're moving Casey Affleck into his apartment in Boston when he moves out of the town and he begs him to not do what he's doing right and also I really liked um they kind of 
they kind of just briefly showed you him going around town while he's waiting around for his brother to get buried and the way people treat him. Like he goes to look for work just like yeah. temporarily and he goes into like a mechanic shop or something or I think it's like a boat dock, like a boat mechanic because it's like a fishing town and the guy's like, oh, hey, Lee, like, it's good to see you. I'm so sorry about your brother. And yeah, there's definitely work for you. And then he leaves and the lady who I think owns it or that guy's like old lady comes in and is like, I don't ever want to see him here again after what he did. Like everybody, I mean, so besides all of his like inner demons, like everybody in the town essentially thinks like he murdered his children. So this did, like I said, it did pretty well. Um, IMDB was gave it a 7.9 out of 10. Um, Rotten Tomatoes, which is my preference because it's an aggregate of professionals and lay people, gave it a 96% fresh. Yeah, Metacritic gave it a 96. And maybe they watched a director's cut that I didn't because I could not care less about anybody in this movie except the people who died. Yeah, and and you know what? Everybody was, all the acting was good. Um, the 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 cinematography was fine. The editing was goofy. Uh, the soundtrack was kind of all over the place. I thought. Um, I don't really even remember. I don't even remember it. Yeah, there was I very little of it, and what was there was just. Why is that there? Oh, it went... Okay, it was tied to the editing. It just went away really fast. Oh, and the, the scene where he is with the cops and then he tries to kill himself has this, like, really Baroque classical music playing in the background that you know something's... Oh, and you know something bad's going to happen. And then there was actually one scary part. Do you remember the scary part? Uh, God, no. <laughs> so he... At the, near the end, like he's maybe starting to kind of consider staying in town, and then he starts having nightmares about his children. Uh. And he's like sitting on the couch, and I think he's fallen asleep watching like a a Patriots game. I'm assuming he's probably he's a Patriots fan. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, he leaves it on the stove, and so it starts to burn. And while he's asleep, I guess he can smell the burning, and so. He, he, in his dream, he's sitting on the couch. He wakes up, and his daughter is next to him, saying, "Daddy, we're burning." And it freaked me. It freaked me out. <laughs> you know that that this is this is another issue I had with some of the editing in this film. Since since everybody looks the same, no matter what's going on, it's hard to tell what's a flashback sometimes and what's not. Mm. Like the only person who looks different other than the dad who is either alive or dead mm -hmm. is the kid who's either two feet tall or six and a half feet tall. Uh, like nobody else really changes in between flashbacks. Yeah. So we're, I, we're supposed to assume that like eight, nine years passed between when Casey Affleck's children died and when he came back. Right. But everybody looks like it was last week. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was It was actually, it was hard to kind of tell what our timelines were. Yeah. Because they didn't, They nothing really changed to make anything appear different except the kid grow, grew old. 
Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting that you're like, the acting's good and the cinematography's good. I just don't care about any of the characters, so it's a terrible movie. <laughs> well, it's not a terrible movie. It is not <laughs> Academy Award worthy. I think Casey Affleck's performance was, which is Case, what won the Oscar. Uh, he won He won an Oscar. It got Best Original Screenplay. But oh, that, it, I don't know. What, what was it up against, you know? Do you see? Uh, the other things that came out that year were Moonlight and La La Land and Fences. Which was a play. Does that count? I guess that would be a screenplay. But I don't know. Um, I mean, there were really I, La La Land is not a movie. Um, that's a that's an Apple commercial starring Ryan Gosling that went on yo, for two hours. I and I, you know, like other red blooded American women. I mean, Ryan Gosling is pretty to look at. Do I want to see him singing and dancing for two hours? Absolutely not. So that was the biggest mistake John Legend has ever made in his life. Was La La Land. I'm sure he's crying into his millions of dollars. I'm sure he has made so much more money on everything other than La La Land, he didn't even notice that the deposit was made. Speaking of John Legend, and this has nothing to do with the movie, he did a... Okay, so you know carpool karaoke that James Corden does? Yeah. Uh, Apple has apparently taken it. Like, I didn't realize this, but Apple, like, bought the rights to that idea... And so now instead of James Corden just doing it on a show, now you have to buy them from iTunes. Sure you do. And so irritating. I really liked those actually when it was the right people. And they did one and I saw the two minute preview because I'm not going to spend, give my money to Apple to buy it. But it was Alicia Keys and John Legend. And James Corden was having them sing like advertising slogans or like medication warnings, just like freestyle and he asked John Legend to sing if your erection lasts more than four hours please call your doctor so funny because um, he can oh John Legend <laughs> can do anything he wants I just oh I love him so so much uh, just flipping through what else uh, came out the same year as this Nocturnal Animals came out the same year as this oh yeah and that was a better movie I thought even with Jake Gyllenhaal in it. No, I wouldn't say that was a better movie. But, I mean, I get why. I, you know. That's more my movie. This, I mean, and it's not like, it's a drama. Jason's going to hate it. Jason, Jason really likes dramatic things. Have you seen mm. the way Jason interacts with his cats? Mm. The drama. Like, like, noir cat ain't got nothing on what goes on in this house. What? Okay, so... So, I mean, you really liked it. I did. I never have to watch it again. That's fine. And and I I maybe never have to see Casey Affleck in it. Do you know what else this director did? Kenneth Lonergan Lonergan did? Analyzed this. I never saw that. Uh, He's also known for Gangs of New York. He did the screenplay I... for that. Analyze oh, this and analyze that. that were Billy Crystal being the psychiatrist to Robert De Niro. Right. Um, you Can Count on Me was a thing he did. Uh, wrote it. The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle he wrote. Mm. Which was only good because of the one John Goodman joke. 
as much as I like me some Rocky and Bullwinkle. Um, directed three films, Manchester by the Sea, Margaret, and You Can Count on Me. He also wrote the uh, screenplay, or just wrote You Can Count on Me and Margaret, so... I don't know what Margaret is. I don't know, there's something... So, he was... Oh, Casey. Matt Damon and Mark Ruffalo. Um, so, Casey Affleck was against Andrew Garfield for Hacksaw Ridge, which is a movie that I've actually heard really good things about, but it's directed by Mel Gibson and Thanks But No Thanks. Uh, Ryan Gosling for La La Land. Um, Viggo Mortensen in a movie called Captain Fantastic, which I haven't seen. Oh, well, and just Viggo, he wins. I, I do really like him. And then Denzel Washington for Fences. And it's funny because, like, I don't watch the Academy Awards because I don't care because it's just a popularity contest. But uh, the, the look on there, there was a clip because people were really salty about Casey Affleck winning because of this whole sexual harassment thing. And the chick that presented him with the award was that they do like they do the previous best actress winner always presents to the next year's best actor and vice versa. And Brie Larson had won the year before Best Actress for a movie called The Room, which is actually about a woman who's being held captive by a man who rapes and impregnates her. And so everybody was like, ooh. And she looked really pissed that she was doing this. And then they panned to Denzel, and Denzel had, like, Denzel stank face. Like, I am not pleased, and I am Denzel. Like, he looked really salty. (laughs) I saw a trailer for Fences. Mm Mm-hmm. Denzel Washington in the trailer for Fences was better than Casey Affleck in this movie. It's a movie I definitely think that we should watch. Except Absolutely. I just, I'm, I'm kind of over Denzel. I feel like it's always Denzel. Well, like I, I, think, I just don't think like I get anything new from him ever. Denzel Washington for me is I have to be very selective with my Denzel Washington. Mm. Like, I really liked He Got Game. Yeah. Um... I liked Training Day a lot more than you did. Well, it's not that I didn't like it. It's that I've tried to watch it four or five times, and I always fall asleep about 20 minutes in. So I've never really seen that movie. Yeah. But I, 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 I liked it about, enough to stay awake. It's, it's <laughs> just one of those... It's like every time I get to, like, he's just given Ethan Hawke, like, LSD or whatever, or PCP or whatever, and I just... And I'm out. It could uh, be Ethan Hawke that I have an aversion to, honestly. I can understand that. Yeah. Uh, and then he did like he did the preacher's wife reboot thing, and yeah, he's done some just like Denzel Washington needs a paycheck, like that movie where he was like, I'm a former hitman for the CIA, and I can. Oh, and he goes. It was called something burning or fire or something where he's like goes and gets the little white girl from Mexico, and he's like, okay, there's three guys. It'll take me 18 steps. So he's like super OCD assassin. Yeah. And but that one looked things. really good, but apparently yeah. was horrible. But then he did... Okay, there's a movie with Matthew Broderick that you... I mean, I probably will say it and you'll say you don't like it just on, like, purpose. But he was in Glory, which also had Matthew Broderick Glory was it. good. Matthew Broderick was not good in Glory, but that was no, a good he, movie. No, that's probably very true. Um, but, like, Philadelphia is a great Denzel movie. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what I mean. It's like, you can't... The Equalizer was that movie. Yeah. Man on Fire is a different one. Um, So what would you give this movie? I Seven. And that's, I mean, I'm generous. 
I'm, it would be a six and a half if not for Matthew Broderick. Um, I would give this. I think I'm also more conservative with my ratings than you are, um, because I like. I mean, I can't imagine that I've ever seen him. Well, no. I was going to say I can't imagine I've ever seen a movie that I would call a ten, but no, there are some. There are some, like No Country for Old Men's an eleven. Yeah. Like there is absolutely nothing wrong with that film. Like it is a perfect film. Best um, soundtrack. Best soundtrack. Because there was none. Um, Didn't need one. So I would say I would give, I would give this a nine. I would give it a nine. That's bold. Yeah. I mean, if I was giving it for just like Michelle Williams and Casey Affleck and Kyle Chandler, I would give it a ten. But can I didn't I, like the kid. Can so. I give Kyle Chandler a nine and the movie yeah. a seven? Sure. Perfect. Yeah, I mean, if it weren't, probably if it weren't for the kid who I just thought was obnoxious, I probably would have given it a higher rating because I just didn't like him at all. Um, but yeah, I, I really liked it. What are we watching next? Uh, next, we are finally getting around to a Western. And uh, it's one of my favorites uh, Star Wars. No, it's not Star Wars. <laughs> uh, Star Wars is an excellent Western, though, which isn't doesn't take place in the west right it's also um, an excellent samurai movie it just doesn't take place in japan it does it's it's like nine kurosawa movies all rolled into one mm-hmm. uh we're gonna watch once upon a time in the west Yay! and for those of you who don't know um our good now buddy you know. charles bronson is in it who i think he was 50 when he was born <laughs> He yeah. has never looked great. Um, but this is... Oh, God, it's so good. If not the only time, it's the first time Henry Fonda ever played a bad guy. And the baddest of bad guys. Like, he is. scary as hell. Oh, so... I mean, there's a reason Henry Fonda, when people talk about Henry Fonda, they're like, oh, my God, this guy's really good. And it's not just for On Golden Pond. Ugh. Or City my on least, Fire. My least favorite. Um, well, I mean, obviously, Grapes, Grapes of Wrath and 12 Angry Men, Henry Fonda. But yeah, 1968, Once Upon a Time in the West, Sergio Leone. Um, starring, as we mentioned, uh, character actors in, in Manchester by the Sea. This has Jack Ellum as a one of the first victims, one of the first dead people in yeah. the movie. And he also was a fantastic Jason, character actor. Jason Robards, who I love. And Claudia Cardinal. I'm really excited to watch this. I've got it all locked and loaded, ready to go. I uh, have had the soundtrack for a few months. I, I kind of went on this once we started doing this, I wanted to watch a Western, and I never mm-hmm. got around to picking a Western, but I have yeah. all these soundtracks. And you know what? As great as like The Good and the Bad and the Ugly are, or For a Fistful of Dollars, mm-hmm. this might be the best Western soundtrack ever. This might be the best Western ever. It's so hard to pick. But let's <laughs> save all of this for our next episode. Is Lee Van Cleef? No, he's not. I forgot. No. Lee Van Cleef. But let me tell you a story real quick about someone who's not in this movie. Um, our, our good friend Lee Van Cleef, 
who was the bad in The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, uh, was in a show, a made-for-TV uh, made TV series <laughs> called The Master, which uh, he played a ninja, an old ninja. <laughs> and they they kind of took like the first three episodes and made a movie out of it called Master Ninja. <sighs> anyway, Lee Van Cleef. Yeah, Bye. we'll watch Master Ninja one of these days for this show. <laughs> Don't you worry, Demi Moore was in it. It's gonna be great. Um, he was on the Johnny Carson show, Lee Van Cleef, when the Master was a thing on TV. And he told a story about how he got his job doing westerns. And he was like an accountant part-time and was just doing some like stage acting and went to audition and the guy's like, okay, you read your lines fine, take off your shirt. It's like, uh, okay, took off his shirt, read the line again. Great, take off your pants. Um. Okay. <laughs> Read the line again. He says, "If you're gonna ask me to take off my shorts, I'm just leaving." And he said, "No, we really like the way you read lines, but we also need somebody who's, you know, physically fit for these roles." And uh, he got the part. And he when he that's went what to they his, said. He went to his boss and he's like, So I've got this audition and I think I got the part and I need to go and the boss is like I'm not gonna let you quit. You're fired. This way you don't have to give me two weeks, just go. Ah. So it is really nice. It's it's as much as I like Johnny Carson, he doesn't give really good interviews sometimes. The Lee Van Cleef one, not very good. And the Mark Hamill one, absolutely terrible. Um, I actually watched Master Ninja the other night, Master Ninja 1 and 2, when oh, I was sick it. and couldn't sleep because they did them on Mystery Science Theater. And that's actually what I was going to say, not that we should watch it for this, but that they will go up eventually on lowbiasgaming.com because they were both done, or .net, excuse me, because they were both done <laughs> for uh, Mystery Science Theater. Starring one of the many Van Patten children. Yeah. With, it was a hamster or, yeah, he had a, a rat, wasn't it? It was a, it was a, it was a rat, I think. Yeah. So I just pulled up the master on IMDb. Uh-huh. Um, our star, Timothy Van Patten, isn't even on the poster. <laughs> Demi Moore, who is in it for like one and a half episodes... Yeah. Got top billing. Well, now, certainly. Well, I guess then more than now. When was the last time you saw Demi Moore? I watched um, Nothing But Trouble. I don't think I know that one. Uh, Dan Aykroyd, Chevy Chase, John Candy, oh, Demi yeah. Moore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a weird-ass movie, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. But you need to watch it. <laughs> There's actually an old, old Demi Moore movie with Bruce Willis, and I actually think it was where they met, uh, where he is an abusive husband and she kills him. Beavis and Butthead do like, America. That's like an old, old, that's like, I think, 1980, early uh, Demi Moore. I think that was when um, 
I think that was when um, Bruce Willis still had hair. Yeah, the, uh, so that would have been right around the time of Death Becomes Her. Because that's the last movie I know he had hair in. I think that was a wig, though. I don't think that was his real hair. It might like, have been. He'd, he'd been blonde before that, or he'd been bald before that. That's true. Well, I mean, maybe he just shaved his head for the for the tough guy role. <laughs> He's one of those men. He does definitely looks better. It's he it's a uh, a known fact that the less hair Bruce Willis has, the tougher he will be in the movie. <laughs> I think that's true of most people. Not everybody. <laughs> Would right, you say, well, so, like, Kevin Costner? Well, I can't even imagine what that looks like. Matthew uh, Broderick. <laughs> we'll never look tough, ever, in any way. Um, mm. All right, so we're going to watch Once Upon a Time in the West for next week. Yep, be ready. Watch it. It's a long movie. And I think, yeah, it's like two hours and 46 minutes long. And I think because I've picked a bunch of new movies, I think I might go back to a... I was actually thinking about picking Arsenic and Old Lace for our next movie. That we'd well, go for something funny. Now you can't. Sure, I can. Because you spoiled it. Okay, well, we're going to go now. Okay, I've got, a, I've got my next movie picked, and it's also kind of goofy, so... Good. Good palate cleanser, I guess. Bye, folks. Here's the show for the week, folks. Thanks for listening. Um, hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you enjoyed the movie stuff, because it's back. Hope the news was okay. Uh, want to remind you, check out Electric Leftovers, iTunes, TuneIn, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all of that delicious stuff. And uh, we'll be back next week with more stuff check out the games and everything else we talk about at lowbiasgaming.net thanks y'all
you got some shy white rock bands with try white wristbands in sight of moments and fright of questions. The drool in the corner of their mouths is glistening. You can't hear shit for the whistling above all the people. Uh, an undead beetle, a hair transplant, and a junkie. Come friendly bums, right up keen, and anyone that's ever been like featured in the anime, and that includes me. See the world bank don't do shit for free. So read that job tree, they see thee, and they all they, and they own thee. So they got all your water, mate. Yeah, they decide you don't slay. You can't send piss into wine. You can't rub pennies in the wound and expect it to be fine. There are no diamonds in the mines. The lot. So I'm on top of the pops singing Thanks for all the A's And the bums and the nuns and the guns and the bombs on the trains Thanks for all the A's And the floods and the bloods and the drugs and the banning all the rapes Thanks for all the A's And the Asian flu and for you and for making us slaves Thanks for all the A's I'll pray for me Methodist cause I fear the rapture Coming at ya like Cleopatra. Oh, you can never catch her. The Donovan stature. I'm evil on the mic like Margaret Thatcher. Hook made you look bombs like a nuke. I'm truer than the gospel according to my mate Luke. As I see that the sky god wants to kill you if you queer, or if you're a Jew or you're an Arab, a miner in a hole, or if you are a dog because you haven't got a soul, or if you are a dead baby. You should count your stems and see how lucky you are. So if your kids are on better than you are. 12 times worse than the worst crack hurt I can say this cause I'm sure You ain't shit, we've been advised to quit But we ain't taking the piss when we say Thanks for all the A's And the bums and the guns and the nuns and the bums on the trains Thanks for all the A's And the lies and the wives of the guys who be dying in spades Thanks for all the A's And the crap TV and for me and for bringing on the plague Thanks for all the A's